you are listening to Hypertension Resistant to Treatment, where you will get knowledge, training, resources, and support for better blood pressure control. If you are suffering with high blood pressure or blood pressure that is difficult to treat, this podcast is indeed for you. Here is your host, Dr. Tanya. I am Dr. Tanya, and I am here to teach you everything you ought to know about hypertension management. I am a clinical scientist, and I've done research over 10 years, and I've found some interesting things about hypertension and blood pressure control and medication-taking behavior. I would like to share with you all of the information I've found, as well as all the information that's out there that, that will help you get control of your blood pressure. Stick with me and we'll take this journey to help you improve your blood pressure. Thanks for listening. So far, it has been shown that we have the South African mutation and then we have the UK mutation. And the good news is that, um, well, we know that viruses mutate all the time, just like the flu virus mutates every year or or however long it takes. And uh, the flu vaccine is uh, altered in order to cover that, the mutation of the virus. So uh, the good news of what I'm reading is that Perhaps if the mutation, um, just because the COVID-19 virus is mutating, uh, the current vaccines that have been developed could potentially cover those mutations. And if those vaccines do not cover the mutation, then there is a possibility that vaccines can be altered to cover the mutation. So we will know in the coming months of uh, if we need to alter the vaccines in order to cover the mutation or if the vaccines that we have currently, uh, if they can cover the mutation. But generally, we know that whatever the case may be, we're going to accommodate in some way for these mutations. But that doesn't take away the fact that the mutations are showing to be more contagious and they are affecting uh, people who are 20 years and younger. There was a registered nurse after eight days of receiving the vaccine tested positive for uh, COVID-19. Just like I had stated in the last podcast, we already know that it will take a while before your body build up antibodies against the virus once you get the vaccine. So what we know so far is if you get the Pfizer or the Moderna or whatever vaccine, your body, it takes some time for your body to build up antibodies against the virus. According to the vaccine clinical trials, it takes about 10 to 14 days before your body start making antibodies to the virus. So remember, the results of the vaccination is not immediate. So once you get that vaccination, don't go out without your mask or without 
being socially distant without uh, washing your hands and not touching your face and having that air circulation if you're in close, uh, if you're indoors with people outside of your family circle. Once you get the vaccination, remember that is not full protection. Okay, you need the second dose in order to give you up to 70%. And even uh, some studies are saying 90%, 90, 90 to 95% protection. But whatever the case may be, you're not going to have immediate results from the first vaccine and until at least two weeks after you get the vaccine, you will start building up some antibodies and you don't have full protection until you get the second vaccination. Although in the UK, the AstraZeneca uh, Oxford vaccination uh, tend to give you about 70% protection after just the first dose. So to, in today's episode, I would like to talk about the potential game changer vaccine, the Oxford AstraZeneca coronavirus vaccine that the United Kingdom has approved for use in the UK. So let's get to it. So I want to talk about the three reasons why I think that this vaccine that has just been approved in the United Kingdom, why I think this vaccine is going to be a game changer. Now, I am not an expert. Just a disclaimer, I am not an expert on the vaccine. And only thing I know about the vaccine is what I've read in the literature about the vaccine. So there you have it. But what I would like to say is there are three reasons why I think this vaccine is going to be a game changer. And it is, I think it is going to be a game changer because of these three characteristics of this vaccine. Now, Dr. June Rain, the chief executive of the MHRA, says that we are a step closer to defeat the virus. And she says that we can be confident that the Oxford AstraZeneca coronavirus vaccine is safe and effective and it is of high quality. So this vaccine has the potential to be a game changer for three reasons. The first reason I think this vaccine has the potential to be a game changer is because it does not require a freezer in order to store the vaccine. And that can improve getting the vaccine out to rural areas and urban areas. That, to me, is a game changer. So this vaccine can be stored in the fridge and it does not need to be frozen. So it will be easier to transport the vaccine all over the world. This will allow your primary care 
provider's office to get the vaccine and to distribute it among its patients. CVS will be able to get this vaccine and distribute it. And also providers and nurses might be able to get this vaccine and and bring it out to and to the communities that have problems getting to the primary care offices and the the CVS uh, locations. So that is a game changer, I think. Now, the second reason why I think this Oxford vaccine is a game changer is because it takes one dose to be very effective. After 21 days of being vaccinated with this vaccine, you can get up to 70% protection against the coronavirus. Professor Sarah Gilbert um, from the Oxford University said that nobody who had this vaccine during the clinical trial was admitted to the hospital with COVID and nobody experienced severe disease after 21 days of getting that one dose. So this could be a game changer for us here in the United States once this vaccination is available for us. Now, the third reason why I think this vaccine is a game changer is because you can wait up to three months to get the second vaccine. Meanwhile, you're still 70% protected. So up to three months can allow resources instead of vaccinating people for the second dose, those resources can go towards vaccinating people who have not had the vaccination yet. So that may mean that more people will be vaccinated against the coronavirus, bringing us closer to herd immunity quicker. So those are the three reasons why I think this vaccination that has been approved in the United Kingdom on today, and today is uh, New Year's Eve. And this vaccination will be released on January 4th in the United Kingdom. But the sad news is this vaccination will not be released in the United States, as far as I can see, until at least March of 2021. And that's like the end of March is what I've seen. So that is not really good news for us. But the good news is that we still have the Pfizer vaccine and we have rolled that out more than a week ago. And so we are getting that vaccine in the arms of Americans And we're feeling very hopeful about that vaccine, as well as the Moderna vaccine. We do have that one that is going to be rolled out as well. But looking at 
this Oxford AstraZeneca Corona vaccine. I mean, this could be a game changer quickly if we had this vaccine along with Pfizer and Moderna. So I'm looking forward to all of these vaccines getting into the arms of Americans so that we can overcome this COVID-19 pandemic. Meanwhile, it has been suggested that we consider the supplements to help decrease severe COVID-19 symptoms. Vitamin D3. Again, I want to talk about vitamin D as a potential um, supplement that can reduce your chances of uh, having a severe case of COVID-19. We know that vitamin D keeps your cells healthy as an antiviral agent. And there was one study that showed that uh, if your vitamin D level is at 40 nanograms, that's NGs per milliliters, that's mLs, so 40 NGs per in mLs, that you can reduce your risk of death if you can not be deficient in vitamin D. And what they're using is vitamin D3. Some are using vitamin D2 as well, but um, vitamin D3 has been used in some of the latest studies that have been done. Matter of fact, there is a randomized control trial that was just done, just released um, recently, that showed that um, people who were treated with vitamin D did not benefit from vitamin D. Now, these were people who had a severe case of vitamin D already. They were admitted to the hospital and then they were randomized to a control versus a um, intervention group. And these people were compared, the control group and the intervention group were compared, and they found no difference in the amount of death no difference in the severity, no difference in um, people who were put on a ventilator, no di- difference between the hospital stay and all. But keep in mind that the level of vitamin D for these um, patients were the level that was indicated in the study was uh, 30, 30 or more, but it did not give you the exact level of vitamin D, which make this makes, this is suspicious to me because now um, uh, I think one um, limitation of this study is that perhaps the vitamin D level was not adequate. So the vitamin D level was not therapeutic in moderating the effects on COVID-19 in these patients. The other limitation I can see of this study is that they gave the patients 200 IUs, a one-time dose of 200 IUs of vitamin D3. And this was given at a time when the patient was already having 
um, some shortness of breath, apparently, because 89% of the patients were on, had been given oxygen. So at that point, a person was deficient in vitamin D. They were having severe symptoms from the COVID virus. And then they were given this vitamin D3 in a large dose, which was 200 IUs, and it was a one-time dose. And then they saw no difference. Well, we already know vitamin D should not just be given in a one-time dose, and studies have shown that over and over again. So it shouldn't be just a one-time dose. You're not going to get uh, adequate benefit from vitamin D being given in a one-time dose. For all we know, the patients could have had a level of 30, which might not be adequate or therapeutic in moderating the effects of COVID-19. Of course, more research needs to be done in order to know for sure if vitamin D is effective in treating severe cases of, of COVID-19. But what we do know from observational studies and also at least two randomized control trials is that people who take vitamin D3 are less likely to have a severe case of COVID-19 and be admitted to the hospital. So ask your doctor about vitamin D3 and what dose you should take in order to um, benefit from the use of a vitamin D supplement. According to the AMA, the recommended level of vitamin D should be at least 20, which is addressing osteoporosis. And according to the new studies, sufficient vitamin D levels should be at least 40 nanograms per milliliter. And many studies are recommending even higher doses of um, or higher levels of vitamin D. We do know that melatonin reduces COVID-19 symptoms and melatonin is a safe, natural, over-the-counter supplement. It helps with better sleep. It's an antioxidant. It is antiviral. It decreases inflammation in your body. And we know that COVID-19 is an inflammatory disease. So it's logical that this melatonin would work and there's a randomized control trial that came out and there there are other studies as well that but the recent one has pretty much confirmed that perhaps melatonin is something that we need to consider and perhaps everybody needs to ask their healthcare provider about this melatonin and what dose they should take. And I know we use it in the clinic and we give patients up to 20 milligrams of melatonin uh, for sleep. So talk with your healthcare provider to find out what the dose may be for you. And the other thing is zinc. We know that according to research, according to some of the studies that have been released, zinc is a an effective supplement that could possibly help to prevent severe 
COVID-19 symptoms as well as treat COVID-19. And I've seen patients who have had COVID-19 treated with zinc. And the only thing is when you take zinc, what I'm reading just recently, I found out that you need possibly a green tea to release or to get that zinc into your cells so that it can be used properly. Or you need to take curcicin in order to get that zinc into your cells. And I have a link in the show notes of all the supplements that I'm speaking of so that you can check them out for yourselves as well as the literature that support these supplements. So in summary, this Oxford AstraZeneca coronavirus vaccine, it sounds very promising. And so I look forward to the United I look forward to the United States getting the AstraZeneca Oxford vaccine in late March of 2021. Meanwhile, Pfizer is out, Moderna is out. Check with your healthcare provider, find out when you you can be vaccinated and which vaccination you should take for based on your health condition. And I hope that 2021 will help us solve this pandemic so that we can be free to do our live life like we're used to living. But for some reason, I have the feeling that we're going to have this new norm that we're used to. Because keep in mind, once you get the vaccine, it's not immediate. You will not have immediate benefit. You will have to wait at least three weeks before your body can produce antibodies to the vas- to the virus. Before your body can produce antibodies to the virus. And some are saying give it at least 10 to 14 days. Now, we know there was a registered nurse uh, who received the vaccination and that registered nurse did come down with the, the um, virus. And what they're, they're saying is that this nurse probably was exposed to the virus before he had the vaccination and that's why he came down with it. But also that it doesn't give us any new information because actually we know that it takes at least 10 to 14 days after you get the vaccine in order to make antibodies against the coronavirus. So once you get that first dose, don't just go out there thinking you're protected because you probably won't be. Now, we do know the Pfizer vaccination, according to the literature, it says up to 40, uh, 52% with the first dose. And then the second dose can cover you from 70 to 85% is what I've read just today. So 
That's the second dose. But you have to wait at least three weeks before, well, at least 21 days before you get the second vaccination. Once you get the first vaccination of the Pfizer vaccine. Now, the other thing is you cannot combine the vaccines. That's what we know right now. So if you get Pfizer, the first vaccine is Pfizer. Your second vaccine has to be Pfizer. And if you get your first vaccine to be Moderna, your second vaccine has to be Moderna. Can't mix the two. And what we know right now is that once you get the vaccine, you have to wait about 21 days to get the second vaccine. And then you have to wait at least another 10 to 14 days before your body build up the antibodies so it's going to be at least 90 days or it's going to be at least about 90 days after you get the first vaccine before you are protected that 70 percent 70 to 85 percent so just don't go out there thinking once you got that vaccine in your arm that you are protected because more than likely you are not so everything looks promising right now and everything is looking up so we're just glad that um, 2021 is going to be a much better year than 2020 regarding the pandemic so stay safe everybody that's all I have for you today stay tuned to Hypertension resistant to treatment where you'll learn what everybody ought to know about hypertension. Thanks for listening.